0: I reflect on it a lot, you know, it's a blessing, feels great to, you know, just look back and see, you know, the hard work was, was rewarded and I'm going into it, you know, my third year. When it's time to play ball, it's time to play ball, you know, and you just see that in, in Kirk, when it's time to play and, you know, you like that, you know, you just see, you, you see that when it's time to play, so.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 54 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm your host, Cy Amundsen, joined in virtual studio by Chris Corso and Jay Nelson from Vikings.com. And this episode, episode 54, uh is brought to you by Verizon, the network more people rely on gives you more. Verizon Vikings training camp is entering into the OTA portion of their calendar. Uh, there has been, guys, all, there's all sorts of stuff that I want to touch on in this episode. Chris is going to have an interview with Mike Boone. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Spielman extension that now matches him and pairs him with Mike Zimmer. I want to start with a little Justin Jefferson and Kubiak news, and then I want to talk about the greater trend that everybody's talking about, which is the opt-outs. Today was the last day of opt-outs, but let's, let's start with Justin Jefferson. He's officially made his way to TCO Performance Center. He's officially started his NFL journey. Uh, he was on the COVID-19 list uh, to start. He's been removed. VEN actually followed him around on his first day and has posted a video chronicling his experiences, which is really a great watch. If you head over to vikings.com, my question for you two is as you know, I think everybody is pretty through the roof, ready to see what this kid can do are our expectations as a fan base in line with the reality of being a rookie wide receiver, walking into a COVID training camp, walking into his first season with no preseason, Chris.
2: Si, I think the expectations have to be there. Uh, and he's talked about this. He needs to replace Stefan Diggs. That's what he was brought here to do. That's what he was traded for directly. So that is the, the confidence that he's coming in with. I've seen him and Irv Smith Jr. getting along really well two guys from louisiana growing up in the same area they definitely worked out together in the off season i expect big years for the both of those guys um we'll, we'll touch on a little gary kubiak bite later on but getting him on the level of where his mind is because you know this guy has confidence gary kubiak's the one that's got to do that on the field when he finally gets to take the field with his teammates and practice this week
1: So Chris is all in on the expectations. Chris thinks it's fair. Chris thinks it's just. Fair. Jay Nelson, uh, is that where you're at?
3: It's fair and just, but fans need to temper their expectations. So he, as an athlete, can't walk in the door and say, well, I may or may not be ready. He has to have the mindset of, I'm a professional, I'm getting my crack at the NFL, and he knows that everyone's eyes are on him to say there are some huge shoes to fill, but when you talk about him working with Irv Smith Jr., you see photos of him working with Adam Thielen, we know that this is not the first time that he's able to do something with these guys, and and even yesterday you had a video of of Cousins throwing a deep ball with him going to get it, so there are plenty of, of ramped up expectations for this kid. And as you said, it's the COVID-19 where they haven't had the offseason program to work. There's going to be growing pains here. But in the end, his success and, and the success of the team selecting him as a first-round draft pick are going to be tied to, does he live up to the expectations that we were given? And, and to be honest with you, I think long run, yes, short-term temper those expectations.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what I was hinting at. I mean, I think it's, A, I just personally, I never mind in sports placing expectations on a player-for-player swap. Stefan Diggs had his ups and downs kind of off the field as his run ended here. Those were well documented. But that is a guy who provided one of the most iconic moments in not just Viking history, but NFL history. And, you know, along with Case Keenum. And, and I think he won this spot in Viking fans' hearts. He was, a fa- he was a fan favorite, and he was an electric player. I'm not ready to put that sort of expectation on Justin Jefferson. Here's the weird thing about young wide receivers. They run this huge gamut. You get some good, some really good young wide receivers that have the sort of season where they put up 400 yards. 300 yards. They have to learn how to be in the league. They don't do much. Stefan Diggs is an example. His first season, he didn't even play till X amount of games into the year. Then there's the other side of it. There's the Anquan Bolden side, where you have guys that come in and you're like, what the hell is this dude doing almost 100 catches exploding all over the field? It's really hard to predict what young rookie wide receivers will explode. And so I, I think what I'm doing is given the COVID situation, I am setting a baseline of I hope this guy is a, can come in and by some point in this season really be competent in the 2-3 role, the, the number two wide receiver-ish area, and, and really step up for us. And if he goes far above and beyond that and bursts out of the bubble, it's house money for me right now. You know, that, that, that's kind of where I'm sitting, but you know, that's, that's, that's kind of what young wide receivers do. Either they have to learn this. Well, either they flame out and they, they were never anything. That's another common NFL story, or it takes them a minute to get used to the league or they explode out the gate. And, uh, yeah, it'd be great if he exploded out the gate. But I'm, I'm not going to set my expectations in line with my feelings towards Stefan Diggs and the sort of, the sort of player he was. Uh, Chris, you spoke about Gary Kubiak, who spoke as part of the media availability video conferences. Uh, one of the items to note that was that he spoke of continuity going into this season, which, you know, even though, like you said, the wide receiver group is rebuilt, that's, that's something that I said might be an asset for this team is the fact that for the first time in a, in a while, there isn't a big shakeup. I, I know um, Stefanski left, but it's still the same system for the most part. It's still the same group of guys. There's not a ton of terminology change. Do you really think that can give us an advantage in this sort of season, Chris?
2: I mean, it has to be huge when you go through the whole offseason. Without offseason workouts, you're doing everything virtual. Uh, Kyle Rudolph spoke shortly after Kubiak and discussed the same thing. He said he's been here for 10 years. last couple of years, he's had a new offensive coordinator every single season. Uh, the offensive line, a bunch of young players returning, and Garrett Bradbury, your guy, Pat Elfline, Cy, uh, Brian O'Neal. All these guys are returning on the offense. The line... You have Gary Kubiak returning. You have Irv Smith, the guy I mentioned before. I expect big things out of him. But also you have some new players and depth that maybe you don't have to depend on Justin Jefferson to be Stefan Diggs' numbers. Last season when, when Adam Thielen went down, you have a seventh-round draft pick in Ola B.C. Johnson that has to start and play in just about every single game. This year you have a bunch of other players like a Tajay Sharp, a K.J. Osborne, who's another rookie out of the University of Miami. So it seems like there's a little depth to add to the continuity um, especially at the wide receiver position, so maybe we can temper the expectations
1: that you have, Cy and Jay. That's I don't. That's uh, inaccurate. You you are. Johnny we can temper
2: those high Justin Jefferson expectations. Yeah, Chris Corso that told that I me before
1: have. the show he thinks that Kirk Cousins is going to throw for 15,000 <laughs> yards this year. Uh, the uh, Jay, you know, do you see any advantages? To, I mean, being close to the process. You know, that continuity that he talks about, how does that give the team an advantage as they adjust to this new world, this foreign world of the way training camp is working?
3: I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that something we talked about before, the fact that the offseason programs were essentially nullified and everything was classroom only. You know, one of the nuggets that that Gary had talked about is he said teaching is ahead of doing right now, and they need to be able to plant their feet on the ground on the practice field in order to catch up from what they've actually been teaching. So it's one thing to talk about it and kind of diagram and say, yeah, I know what's going on. But actually being in position, getting the body positioning right, all of those things, if you have guys on the offensive side who are coming back, like you said, a a Rudolph type, if you've got an entire running back room that's essentially – Back as a crew, they all know what is expected of them. The one thing that Gary cited that he drew from Stefanski and knows for himself is that he needs to get some reps here as well, calling plays. And so he's got to go through and do some scripting. He's got to be able to mentally get to a point where he has some of his plays that are in his back pocket that he knows in certain situations he's going to want to run. So Gary's going to need some time as well as the players, and I think it's going to be a little, from my perspective, NFL across the board and offense, offense always takes a while to catch up to the defense. It'll probably be a little slow to start, but I think once Gary and that offense and the continuity of those guys working together in a system they already know clicks, they might actually be ahead of schedule from what other teams are at this point.
1: Uh, well, let's uh, The the official opt-out deadline came and went today as of 3 p.m. Central time. And there's some names on there, notably the Patriots, who lost all-world superstar Patrick Chung, uh, Donta Hightower, Marquise Lee, uh, you know, Devin Funches with the Packers, Eddie Goldman with the Bears, Damian Williams, who the, the star of the Super Bowl, one of the stars of the Super Bowl. Uh, the lone Viking on the list, uh, defensive tackle Michael Pierce. You know, we, we talked about uh, on this show, I wasn't here, but you guys talked about his medical history with asthma um, and uh, he qualified as a high-risk opt-out. Uh, I guess my first question is, are you guys surprised about the number? Did you expect this number? Did you expect more? Did you expect less? How, how surprised were you by the amount of people that opted out, Chris?
2: I'm surprised by the number of Patriots, that's for sure, <laughs> just with their history and, and the way they play. I, I mean, maybe they're tanking to get the number one draft pick and, and get Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson. I don't know. I don't um, think
1: Bill Belichick <laughs> has a tanking bone in his body.
2: I've seen the skits from from Frank Caliendo. Those got me pretty good. So you might have to go check those out, Ty. Si. But, um, yeah, no, it's definitely it's understandable, obviously. This is your health. When it comes to your health, just like Mike Zimmer said about Michael Pierce, he completely understands, supports him, and all that. So whoever wants to opt out, I, I understand, but we're happy to move forward and, and get back to football, and I'm, I'm very happy that there's only one Viking on this list. Now, the COVID reserve list, we've had a, a bunch of guys in and out, which that's another subject, so uh, I'd like to see us kind of um, be lower on that list. But, yeah, I completely understand guys who do not want to
1: play this season. Jay, you know – the Vikings, and I'm sure you guys discussed this to a certain degree last week, but I'd like to discuss it again this week. I, I, that is a pretty big hole to fill, both figuratively and um, literally. Huge the, man. You know, the, there was the deal with Hall out of the Raiders, which I believe he uh, failed the physical, correct? So now, you know, as camp progresses, how do you see this uh, positional battle breaking out?
3: So one of the things that I had cited, uh, one of the questions from before was, you know, what what player are you going to be looking at or what position group? That was the group that I chose was the defensive line, just because there has been some turnover there. You know, at, at this point with Everson Griffin being gone, now you have Michael Pierce gone and Linville gone. That means that your your Jaleel Johnsons, your Armin Watts, even your Afadi Adenabos, those guys are going to have to step up, let alone some of the DJ Wonums and and the other guys that were selected in the draft that are coming up. So you've you've got a group of guys that Zimmer has always helped rely on that defensive line to... to set the tone for what he wants to do as a defense you know on on defensive line they control the line of scrimmage so the linebackers can do their thing or if you're trying to do that double a gap blitz those guys are critical to this and so linval joseph and michael pierce presumably were supposed to be two of those linchpins for that defensive line and now that both of those guys are gone those younger guys that did get some run before are going to have to step up. And I'm not going to give Michael Pierce any hard time at all, given his medical history on this stuff. It just means that now for the Vikings on their side, they have to find a way to fill that gap whether it's with guys internally or they can start looking at other players that potentially get cut once teams go through and start making some of their roster cuts. So it's going to be a process, and I think the entire year is going to be a process given players are going to get sick, people are going to get cut, and this is just one of the first benchmarks for that this offseason.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, I go back to this well a lot with, you know, where the defense is at currently in terms of a youth and talent standpoint. I obviously want to win this year. I think we have a very good team with a lot of good veteran players, and I think we have a very good chance to win this year. But I also think we're in a unique position where we both can attempt to win this year, and we might be building something very special for the future. I think for the first time in, you know, probably his tenure, and, and I, I, I'm not saying that this is a truth, but I, I would say since Mike Zimmer's tenure started, I think most fans would feel like the defense was the heart and strength of this team. And I think now, for the first time, we're at a point not where the defense isn't the heart and strength of the team, but where the offense, at the very least, matches it. There's been a continuity there, like we talked about. There's a level of talent there. You got your quarterbacks. You got your draft picks. The O-line needs to grow and step up this year. And so now you're in a position where, and I, I know I've said this before on the show, but Coach Zim gets to do what he does best and grow young talent while we also are matched on the other side of the ball, and he still has some of his stud talent. So as much as you know I wish Michael Pierce well, i'm I'm frustrated for him and for our fans that this is happening, and he he can't be a part of the season we're in a situation where guys are going to have to step up and Michael Pierce is signed to a multi-year deal. And I hope we have a great year this year, but guess what? Next year when Michael Pierce comes back and he's a beast, because anybody who hasn't seen that guy play, he is an absolute monster in the middle of the field. Guess what? Every time that dude needs to come off the field, hopefully you've got a young stud who spent this past year growing and learning and proving himself. And now That's the thing in the NFL. Talent plus depth. Talent plus depth. Talent plus depth. And we're in a situation right now where Zim is getting the chance to build both of those things on the defense and pair them with a powerful offense. And who knows? That's me being a psycho worrying about whether or not we can win a Super Bowl two years from now or three years from now. But uh, that's the, the the rose-colored glasses that I'm looking at this situation and and a lot of these roster situations, the young cornerbacks. I'm looking at all of it uh, through that viewpoint, Chris.
2: Well, you have your two positions where you're really depending on young players, the cornerback position and the middle of the defensive line. The middle of the defensive line, I'm looking at Jaleel Johnson. I, I think it's his time now, third-round pick out of Iowa. He's been in the league for a couple years. You've seen some flashes of greatness, especially in the run game, but also getting to the quarterback. He's got to step up this year because you have Shamar Steffen in that one spot who's probably going to be the starter in the middle of the defensive line. But then you're going to have Jaleel Johnson. You're going to have Armin Watts and Hercules Mata'afa. The three of them are battling for snaps in the middle of this Vikings defense. And we've heard Coach Zim he loves Hercules. He really, he's loved him since the beginning. He came in as, a, in as a linebacker, defensive end hybrid. Coach Zimmer moved him into the middle of the defense because he loved him there. Um, he's battled a ton of injuries, but that's another guy to keep an eye on. And those three players, we, we just got to see how it shakes out during training camp. That's going to be a fun battle to watch because no Michael Pierce. These, one of these three guys is going to step in and get playing time. So uh, that is a position that all eyes will be on of Coach Mike Zimmer because he loves developing the young players, as you said.
1: Well, speaking of Mike Zimmer, he got his extension, and now uh, his partner in football, Rick Spielman, has officially signed his own three-year contract extension, extended to 2023. He's now on the exact same timetable as Zim, uh Spielman it's his 15th season with the Vikings and his 30th in the NFL you know most Viking fans by this point know his long history with the team obviously he's been connected with Zimmer since hiring him uh in 2014 I've always thought the job of a uh a general manager is a horrible horrible job in sports I I think There are very few things that are more difficult in terms of trying to find certainty in your approach than sports drafts. I mean, it's, it's, you can do all the work, you can do everything you do. And there's still to a certain degree, a crapshoot. Tom Brady got drafted where he draft got drafted. Meanwhile, there's a, a busload of quarterback busts that went in the top 10. So a job like that is a lightning rod for the fans. And I, you know, I think there are fans that are through the moon that he got the extension. I think there are fans that are not so through the moon that he got the extension, but I got to be honest. Hey, I think the number one most important thing in the, in the NFL is continuity of your front office and your coaching staff. We have such a short fuse with these guys. I mean, This is only Zim's seventh year. We're in it right now. And I am a a pretty big fan of what Rick has done here. And, uh, you know, to those fans who aren't quite on board with it, I I can understand some frustration with some – what you feel like are some hits and misses. But comparatively, if you look across the league at the success people have in in drafts, it's – He's up there, man. I mean, you got to look at guys. We've, we've obviously talked about Thielen being undrafted in 2013, but Shamar Steffen, who's a hell of a football player, is a seventh rounder. Daniil Hunter, think about the fact that Daniil Hunter was a third-round pick. Diggs was a fifth. Anthony Harris, he's always been great with undrafted free agents. If Fadi, who I think is going to have a fantastic season this year, is a seventh-round pick, I'm a big fan, and I, and I, I will – fight against that concept that fans run with about some sort of poor draft history because I just I don't think that's how the sports world works
2: yes I think his staple and I'm not going to go positive 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 but I think his staple here as the Vikings GM has been what he does on draft day whether it's the trades that he makes I think he averages the most trades uh, in the draft since since he started as a GM I mean he had like 6 7 the past two each of the past two years so and then the other thing that that you already mentioned the fact that he has so many players as an undrafted contract or an or a late round draft pick uh type of contract that make big contributions to this team. And, and his best draft was 2015 when he drafted Eric Kendricks, when he got Trey Wayne, Stefan Diggs, Daniil Hunter, all those guys were in the same draft. So um, you look at a draft like that as, as his positive. You look at the fact that he's always able to make trades and get a substantial number of draft picks like he had this past season with 15. I think those are his two staples as a, as a successful GM for the Minnesota Vikings.
3: For me, there there are two metrics that a lot of successful teams are all based off of, and they tend to be, do you replenish your, your roster through the draft for long-term success because it helps with your contract situations and your cap numbers? But overall, like we had just talked about, you have to have backup continuity with these players where it's one, two, three, four, five players deep within a roster because NFL football is it's a tough sport. People are going to get hurt. You have to have competent people. And if you're nailing those fifth, sixth, seventh, and undrafted players, those are it's gold. It's absolute gold for you to be able to supplement the top-tier guys that are always in that one through three draft around space. But the other thing that football teams need is they need to be status quo. They need they need to be looking for the future. But the status quo part is you just do not want chaos and teams that are chaotic are the ones that have the turnover of front office and coaches and top tier players year after year after year. And then they try to buy a roster to try to fix it. They bring in the hot new coach for a year or two and they end up bouncing them again. Cause that doesn't work. It's patience by not only ownership, but by front office and having a guy like Spielman and Zimmer be able to work together to try to see this vision out. Those guys are going to be linked together to make this happen. So it's, for me, it's great to have Rick here because he has proven through winning rosters, winning seasons. He's the sixth longest tenured GM in the league at this point. That does not happen if you do not have a vision that not only the players, but coaches and owners are all buying into. So hopefully with Rick getting this extension with Zim, this is the last piece that we need in order to finally get to the ultimate goal of what this team's been trying to get to for 60 seasons.
1: Well, and as a guy who knows absolutely nothing about NFL drafts and how to rank them and, and whether or not they're good, he, let me give you my stupid person's expectations for a draft. If you can get a stud, if in the first or second or third round you can go out and get a stud, somebody that two or three years from now you look at and you go, I hope that guy's a Viking for 10 years. If you get one of those guys and then you get three other contributors – that really have a positive effect on the team. I mean, to me, that is about as good as it gets. And I mean, Spielman is right there, year after year after year. You know, SI.com did they ranked his top eight drafts, going all the way to the bottom. Hell, I'll start at the very bottom, right? You know, you look at you look at some of these some of these drafts, and and he's getting that nearly every year. 2016, or excuse me, 2017. Dalvin Cook goes in the second round. He is a all world, all universe, top of the league running back. Jaleel Johnson, who both Corso and I think is coming for a big year, came out of that year. Afadi came out of that year in the seventh round. And I know everybody disagrees with me about Pat Elfline, but if he has a good year this year, which I think he's gonna, and I tell all you guys to suck it, that is a that is a that's a hell of a round ra- that's a hell of a draft right there, and that is What they're, you know, considering one of his worst drafts by their metric, whatever that is. I mean, but you look at 2019, another one that they don't have high up the list yet. I mean, I think we all think Garrett Bradbury is going to catch up and be on pace to be a hell of a center in this league. Irv Smith, you know, I think everybody was so thrilled about him when he got drafted that they didn't take the time to recognize how difficult it is to learn the tight end position in this league and very rarely do those guys pop in their first year, I'm expecting a huge year from Irv Smith. Alexander Madison in the third round looks like one of the steals of the last five to ten years for this. I mean, I have huge upside for him. And Chris Boyd, who I think is going to contribute this year, was a seventh-round pick. So B.C. Johnson, seventh-round pick this year as well. So that is another one of their – lower ranked drafts and I think you really put it together so uh you know I now now we're at the point where I think the counter argument to that is this is a big moment this last draft was a big draft you traded a superstar wide receiver you you got you lost all your cornerbacks you know you need help on the d-line this is you needed help on the o-line This draft is, you know, obviously they have the extension, there's some security and some continuity, but I I think this past draft and and how it it plays out will will also write a significant amount of the history. But at this point, I couldn't be more thrilled about the extension.
2: Yeah, and speaking of all those UDFAs, we talked to one this week in in Mike Boone who – another guy who was not drafted, ran a 4-4 at the combine, put up all these crazy numbers, and now he's he's still with the Vikings on the roster and third-year player who, when called upon, we'll, we'll get to that in the interview, he's had significant upside. Uh, I'm remembering the Week 15 game against the Los Angeles Chargers where Davin Cook goes down and he comes in and scores two touchdowns. I mean, that's kind of the the kind of depth that, that Rick Spielman brings in. That's a, That's one good example of it.
1: Well, that's, uh, I think you teed that up as well as we need to, Chris. That was very smooth. Uh, let's, let's transition out of Rick Spielman into uh, Mike Boone. Uh, Chris, our very own Chris Corso, got a chance to sit down with him. Uh, and I've, I've already heard it because I get that privilege because I get to host this show. And I loved it, Chris. I think it was fantastic. So, guys, enjoy Mike Boone.
2: What is up, Vikings fans? It's Chris Corso here with another special guest on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. It's Mike Boone who has a new look going on for uh for the audio audience. Mike Boone has chopped his hair off. I like the new look.
0: Yeah, man. I appreciate that, man. Guess you can say that that quarantine really drove me crazy, huh?
2: <laughs> I hear you. So 2020, you got a new look. Um, it's your third season. For the Vikings, can you just believe that it was a few years ago you came to this organization as an undrafted free agent and made the roster?
0: Yeah, man, I reflect on it a lot, man. You know, going to going into year three, man, it's just you know it's a blessing. Feels great to, you know, just look back and see you know the hard work was was rewarded, and I'm going into you know like you said my third year.
2: And just being back in the building, being back with all these guidelines with the coronavirus, what's it been like to be back with your teammates, see guys like Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison? That running backs room is awesome.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. I'm happy to uh, be back, see the guys uh, finally get from behind that iPad screen, you know. And, you know, um, just, you know, seeing everybody, even though we got to keep our mask on everywhere, you know, it just still feels good to be back and finally touching, you know, touching the field and getting the Work on the offense a little bit, putting those those cleats in the grass a little bit.
2: So as we touched on that running back room, it's you, Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, Amir Abdullah. <laughs> uh, there's so there's so much talent in that room. What's it been like doing these virtual meetings in the off season? Now you guys are all back together, but uh, just what's take us in that inside that running backs room?
0: Uh yeah man, it's just it's it's been been. Pretty good, man. Learning experience for me, you know, first time. I'm pretty sure any of us had to do anything like this, but it just really gave us that opportunity to, um, you know, just hone in on those small details, you know, and as far as, you know, just meeting on the iPads making everything virtual. But uh, like you said, just great to be back with the guys and, and, you know, back working.
2: So you've you've had a front row seat watching what Dalvin Cook has done on the field. Obviously, the season he had last year was spectacular tell the Vikings fans just from from your point of view what you see about his game what stands out the most when you watch Dalvin Cook run the football
0: man he, he you you can't tackle the guy man you know it's every it's hard to get him on the ground you know his feet's always churning and he's just a special back you know it's speed uh vision just a complete back you know in my eyes uh, he actually helped me a lot you know coming in here he taught me a lot of smart smart guy smart athlete and I just try to, you know, learn what I can from them, help each other out. And what's, the
2: big, what's the biggest thing you learned from Dalvin in your time together?
0: Uh, actually, man, you know, when I first got here, he told me, he was like, boom, just, just be yourself, you know. Just be yourself and, and focus on the small details, you know, like I said. And that's, that really, you know, that stuck with me and it, it, it's taken me far, you know, because those, those small details is really what, what help us be consistent, you know. And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what stuck with me.
2: Absolutely. Looking at your career rise, it really started in the preseason. Two years ago, you had 196 yards in the preseason. Last year, you had right, right around 200 as well. What is it about these opportunities, right? Whenever you get them, it seems like you a good thing happens every single time you touch the ball.
0: All right, man. Just you know, that just goes to show. Um, like I said, those details and you know, film work and the offensive line. You know, can't forget about those guys. Can't just put it all on me. You know. Um, but every chance my numbers call, I just try to be there, you know, try to execute and help out however I can.
2: Speaking of the offensive line, one of my favorite things that you guys do is after you score a touchdown, <laughs> you hand them the ball, <laughs> and we watch Pat Elfline really spike the ball into the ground. Who decided to start doing that?
0: Um, I, don't, I think it, it actually might have been Dalvin. You know, he he came, he scored a touchdown, and Pat was right there. You know, he just gave the big guy some love, you know, let Pat throw that thing to the ground, man. And I actually, uh, I, I think I threw it to Big O once, a couple of the guys, man, but Pat, Pat really, he really can throw that thing. <laughs> he really can spike.
2: It. <laughs> I was about to ask you, who's your favorite to, to hand the ball off to? you 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 had three touchdowns last year. Who is your favorite offensive lineman to say, here you go, throw this thing at the ground?
0: Oh, uh, man, I hate to say favorite, but you know, Pat Pat's always, he, he's normally the first guy there, you know. <laughs> So I just always, I toss it to Pat. Um, Yeah, I got to go with Pat, you know.
2: Looking at your season last year, you had to step in week 15 against the Los Angeles Chargers in a game where Dalvin Cook gets injured and you step in and have a pair of touchdowns. Some of the runs were just awesome to
1: see. So first and goal. Third and long yardage. And here
3: are the Vikings knocking at the door again. And boom, to the end zone for the touchdown. First touchdown of the season as the offensive line creates a lane. He just cuts back. Herb Smith works across the line and does the kick out on the backside. Good vision by Boone to cut it back against the grain and get it into the end
2: zone. Just describe your feeling in that game and, and how you were so ready for the challenge and, and how you really helped the Vikings running game continue to get over 200 yards, which they did almost every game last season.
0: Uh, you know, that's just, that's just, um, being prepared, you know, I give a lot of uh a lot of props to k p he prepare every one of us you know to be ready for a situation like that, you know, so uh, I prepared all week, you know, that that's kind of our routine, prepare like you know you're that guy, you're that starter and you know it's football, and the game we play injuries happen, and you know, cook kind of went down, they called my number, and it was you know, I just told myself like, hey, you've been prepping this all week they call your number, just come out and execute you know.
2: Speaking of KP, that's running backs coach Kennedy Palomalu, sort of a father figure of a coach. What have you learned from him in your time with the Vikings and just describe his leadership of the Vikings running backs?
0: Uh, man, I learned a lot from KP, man, as far as, um, you know, just just techniques, uh, blocking techniques, uh, life experiences, man. You got a little joke, you know, don't bite that apple. You know, no matter how much success you get or, you know, how much exposure you get, don't bite that apple. Don't, don't feed into it. You know?
2: He definitely has his sayings, that's for sure. <laughs> I know that. Looking at the offensive coordinator this year, it's Gary Kubiak, who was obviously with the Vikings in a mentor role last year. He is the creator of this outside zone scheme that the Vikings run when running the ball. It seems to fit your style of running a little bit. So how do you describe what you think the offense is going to look like under offensive coordinator Gary Kubiak?
0: Uh, you know, like you said, uh, you know, he, he was the guy to – you know, say invent that outside zone. You know, we'll put the put the ball on the ground. You know, try to try to open everything up and just you know uh, let the let the run game complement the pass game. Going further
2: through your season last year, you were able to get a big opportunity to play against the Chicago Bears in Week 17. I think you had a run like right out the gate on the first play where you just broke loose.
0: And Mike
2: Boone, who is making his
1: second NFL start. Starts the game with a bang. A huge gain on the first playoff left tackle had a huge hole and
3: well this gain of 59. Yeah, this is something they didn't do last week. Beautifully executed. That's just a wide zone play. You saw the block by the left tackle by the tight end getting it done. The cutback lane by
2: Describe your performance in that game. It was, it was impressive to see you score another touchdown as well.
0: Oh, yeah, man. That 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 first run felt, felt good, you know. After that, I'm like, okay, yeah, let's go, man. The next play, I kind of uh, I got a toss, and uh, I had a bad exchange. My eyes were bad on the toss, and I fumbled, you know, but I just took that mentality to, you know, next play mentality, you know, and just tried to come out and uh, compliment the offensive line because those guys, you know, they had a good game. They opened it up for me, and... You know, you see the results.
2: I read somewhere that you were a wide receiver in high school. Yeah. You broke a ton of records in Florida as a wide receiver in high school. How did you make the transition from a wide receiver to, at the University of Cincinnati, you become a star running back?
0: Um, you know, um, I was getting recruited to Cincy uh, at the time. Coach Eddie Grant. It was the, uh, that was my, my, my coach at the time and I guess he saw it in me you know he saw the little running back potential in me so he made the change and you know I was with it, I was for it, I was positive about it and you know I just took his coaching and I guess he was right you know it turned out good for me man.
2: How do you think that experience at, at the wide receiver position has helped you be a successful running back? Obviously we've seen that you can catch the ball and do good things with it out of the backfield.
0: Right. Exactly that. You know, it just helps make me, you know, that much more versatile, make me confident going out, running, you know, whatever route, you know, catching the ball out the backfield and just kind of put me at a little advantage versus, you know, linebackers. Because being, you know, Norm, being used to going going against DBs, you know, you kind of get in the backfield and now you're going against, you know, linebackers and safeties. It kind of just prepped me for the position I'm in now.
2: What is your best trait as a running back? I want you to to just to just talk about tell Vikings fans what is the best thing you bring to the table.
0: Oh man!
2: I'm putting you on the spot here, man.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, man. But <laughs> I have to say, um, I like to consider myself a you know a good one cut back. You know, as a as a running back, it's it's good to have that you know in, in your backpack that being able to make a cut and just get it north. You know, and I kind of I kind of feed off that kind of. Uh, do, do a lot of training you know on that in the offseason and I try to c- consider myself a great one cut back man
2: I love that
0: getting behind those pads yeah, yeah.
2: we definitely had saw that last year you averaged 5.6 yards per carry on 49 carries for the Vikings do you think you could keep those numbers up if you're given 100 150 carries in, in, in an NFL season
0: hey man however it goes you know I, I I definitely think I can, you know, because just being consistent, you know, with the with the small details, exactly. That'll that'll put me in position to continue doing those type of, you know, having those type of games or making those type of runs. So, you know, whenever my number's called, I just make it a a, a job to be there.
2: Wrapping things up here, Kirk Cousins has given you a lot of love. Um, throughout the season he I, I, I mean in press conferences he always shows love and, and talks about your performances in the preseason and, and kind of what you bring to the Vikings offense so uh, kind of describe your relationship with the Vikings quarterback
0: uh, you know Kirk, Kirk's a uh, you know great guy man anytime you see me around the facility you know he kind of chop it up with me and he just you know put me on a lot of game you know football wise making sure I'm you know my head's right with with formations or you know just pass pro and he just kind of took that role, you know, that, that 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 big bro role almost. You know, I hate to say that, but, you know, he just kind of makes sure I'm always, you know, on the right track.
2: And what is he like inside the huddle? I mean, I've been told – that there's like a different like alter ego that comes out when Kirk Cousins is, right. is rallying the troops a little bit. Is is he a little right. different in, inside the huddle?
0: Uh, yeah, you know he kind of he, he brings. That's with anybody, you know. they're just a different when it's time to play ball. It's time to play ball, you know. And you just see that in, in Kirk when it's time to play. And you know, I guess he's saying, you know, you like that. You know, you just see you, you see that when it's time to play. So
2: well, I I really wish you the best of luck this season. I know when the opportunity comes, you're gonna make the most out of it because you've shown that. Pretty much your entire career um, so far, so good luck on your third NFL uh, season here, and hope hope to see you around the facility pretty soon, man.
0: I appreciate that, man. Thanks for having. Me.
1: That was Mike Boone with our very own Chris Corso. Uh, I think it's going to be great and, and and interesting to see what Mike's role looks like this year uh, and what kind of uh, Jay, as you said, what kind of wrinkles. Kubiak might be uh, able to implement in the 2020 season Um, stay tuned to Vikings.com all of our social media for the latest in Viking news and everything going on at the Verizon Vikings 2020 training camp another huge thank you to our sponsor Verizon for sponsoring this episode in the Minnesota Vikings podcast Uh, there's uh, a lot of great stuff on the website check it out uh, follow us everywhere you can. Check out our guy who helped out last week, Gabe Henderson, um, and did a great job on the show when I wasn't able to be here. He caught up with former Vikings, Pete Bursich, Mike Morris, Dixon Edwards, and Hall of Famer Randall McDaniel on Training Camp Memories presented by US Bank. That video is available right now on vikings.com. And also, uh, you know, I'm, I think Gabe is fantastic. So I've been watching a lot of the stuff he's been doing. And he, he has a great sit down with Eric Kendricks a one-on-one that I actually watched right before we recorded this podcast about Eric getting the top 100 and uh, a few other things. Uh, we're underway with the OTA portion. We're less than two weeks away from our August 17th deadline. Uh, guys, any final thoughts before we get out of here?
2: Yes, I just want to see these guys get out on the field. I'm watching these these social media videos of, of- – Justin Jefferson catching balls and, and watching Justin Jefferson and Irv Smith flexing with each other, working out. I'm ready to see these guys out on the field. I want to see these position battles, the cornerback and the defensive line interior I am looking at, and I can't wait to see who wins those spots.
1: Jay?
3: For me, I want to see the train back on the tracks. I want to see these guys out in pads uh, being able to to hit somebody and, and as we get further and further along, make sure that these live bullets are, are – looking smooth and the players are looking like they're comfortable with everything one of the things that Kendricks and Rudolph had talked about was actually getting their cleats in the grass and how happy it made them so I think the further we get along in this process the more the guys will be feeling comfortable working with each other and and that's what I'm looking for it is just to see how smooth and how long it takes for this stuff to get back to normal.
1: Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with another episode of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. We will see you guys then.